This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Isaiah 61, we're going to go to verse 1, and we're going to jump in for the sake of time. It says this, Isaiah 61, reading from the NIV translation, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Just want to remind everyone in our church, Valley, Bancroft, Livestream, you don't have to try and get anointed. You already are anointed. You are anointed. God's spirit is on your life. You're like, "Uh, I'm new to church. I don't know what the anointing is. The anointing is what's easy for you. The anointing is God's grace on your life. The anointing is that thing that you do that just comes natural. It comes with ease. It's a part of your makeup, your DNA. When you're writing that script, when you're coaching, when you're training, when you're leading, when you're helping, when you're administrating, when you're doing your accountant work, it's the grace of God on your life. The anointing is also translated as the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. So you have the anointing of God on your life to destroy burdens, to remove yokes. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, come on, 2020, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Verse 3, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He's saying to those that receive this, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Now i got to be honest with you, I think this last week, was one of the most historic, tragic weeks that Los Angeles as a city has ever faced. And I kept thinking about this verse. I kept thinking about the reality of God in our city and in our lives. Watch again in context what God says. God will provide for those who grieve in, let's take out the word Zion today, let's use the word Los Angeles. Those, God will provide for those who grieve in Los Angeles to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God is saying that when you are in your worst place, I do my best work. God is saying when you've got ashes, come on Los Angeles, a hero, an icon of our city was just in ashes and left our city in mourning. And God says, I'm the God of the great exchange. When you're in ashes, when you're in mourning, I'm only going to ask you to do one thing. Give to me your worst so I can give to you my best. Because I replace ashes with joy. I take your crown of thorns and I give you beauty for it. I take your mourning and I can turn it into dancing. I want to preach on the heels of what has been the most significant week in the history of our city in a long, long time. 
I want to preach a message today, write down the title. It's called Mamba Mentality. And I think it is fitting that as a church we come together and for somebody that was so significant and meant so much to this city, it was amazing. I found out last Sunday after this service, I was sitting in the back with some friends and getting ready for the 12 o'clock and someone got a text and this guy looked at me and he said, he said, Kobe just died. And immediately I thought in my head, well, I did, I did not know that they had a dog named Kobe. And he, he, he could tell by my lack of pastoral poker face, I could not hide my, you know, like, oh, wow, okay. And he goes, no, 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 man, Kobe Bryant just died. And we would come out and do the 12 o'clock service, and you could see people mid-service finding out the text messages. I'd spend the rest of the day in the afternoon listening to the radio and glued to television and in the 6 o'clock service, the mourning and the crying is still happening here. In the 7.30 p.m., we ended our 21 days of prayer and fasting with an anointing service. This place was packed out. And as I got up to take the mic and to pray over what had just happened and the horrific event that so many people just lost their lives in, as I went to go pray for it, the power went out in the whole building. Like not just in the auditorium, the whole building for 45 minutes. And I watched in the courtyard as afterwards grown men crying. And a city went into mourning. And a city went into grieving. Why? Because a person that had brought so much joy to a city, brought so many championships and parades, meant so much, had not only had 20 years of a stellar career, but had entered into the best years of his life post-career. Had, had become a father and a statesman and a spokesperson to athletes all over the world. It was not just about the rings and the championships. It was who he was as a person. And I felt like coming this Sunday to just take a moment and not just talk to you about the Mamba mentality, but the kingdom mentality. That there is so much God truth in the death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and all those impacted in this tragic event. And I believe that we serve the God that can take our ashes and somehow turn them into beauty. He can take our mourning and somehow turn it into dancing. Come on, clap today. Come on, Valley, let's celebrate today. We're going to celebrate and remember not just who Kobe was, but in this, how we see the gospel and the good news of Jesus. I'm believing that we can get some God perspective and we can get the right mentality. We can get the mind of God even in the midst of tragedy. I want to show you some truths out of this last week and the life of Kobe Bryant that I believe God's scripture and God's word is going to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in these dark days. Come on, bow your heads. And let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are the God that is so good and so kind and so loving, so faithful, that you are the only God that has ever invited us to bring you our ashes and bring you our despair and bring you our heaviness. And so, God, we, took, we look to you in these times of mourning. We look to you as a city and as a country and as God's people, we are looking for hope. Thank you for the promise of everlasting life. 
We thank you, God, that you are for us and you are with us. And we thank you that you will heal and you will bless our great city. Touch Los Angeles, the greatest city in the world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together. Come on, let's clap one more time and thank God. Come on for blessing our great city. Come on, Valley. Come on, Bancroft. Come on, let's really give God some praise today. I'm going to give you five truths to write down. Write down number one. God is close to the brokenhearted. I love this about God, that when you are in your worst place, our God does his best work. When your heart is shattered, when you are going through the worst of circumstance, it could be the tragedy of death, it could be the pain of divorce, it could be going through hardship, whatever it is. It could be depression. We don't serve the God that walks out on you. No, we serve the God that draws near to you. I kept thinking all last Sunday, I kept thinking as, as all the vigils were downtown L.A. and at Staples Center and you saw all the video tributes and all the amazing quotes that were going up, I kept thinking of one scripture, Psalm 46. Watch as it comes on the screen. It says, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. No, 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 we're not going to be afraid. Why? Because God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. In other words, when trouble comes, so does God. When you're in the valley of despair, God shows up. God shows up in the worst season, in the worst circumstance, when you're crying all kinds of tears into your pillowcase. That's when God draws near. He doesn't stay away. He does, some people in your life are like, you get emotional and you cry and they don't know how to handle it and they don't have the emotional maturity and they stay away because they don't know what to do. God does not bail out. God comes near to broken hearts. He comes close to those in devastation. Yesterday, uh, Julie and I, I had, the, I had the privilege of preaching at our first marriage conference. It was fantastic. Julie and I uh, did a marriage conference, and um, we did three sessions together. And the last thing that I shared at the marriage conference, this is to all the married couples in our church as well, to Zoe married couples. If you're single, close your ears. But we ended the marriage conference and I said, point number nine, to every married couple, you need to have more sex. And I heard all the men give a big amen. I think every woman rolled her eyes. Yep, it's true, it happened. And so we were preaching up there at this marriage conference, and, and uh, we had a great lunch. And we were in the back, and, and I walked up to this guy. He had a Mamba Mentality hoodie on. And uh, from the academy, and I walked up, and I, and I was just thinking, maybe this is a parent, maybe this is, is someone involved, and so I walked up, and I recognized the sweatshirt right away, I said, hey, nice, nice to meet you, I just, he could tell I wanted to know how he was associated, and I said, do you, do you go there, are you a part of this, he said, to be honest, when everything happened, I just felt the need, I'm a pastor here on staff, I felt the need to drive to the academy, and just to go talk to people, and pray with people, thousands of people showing up, and I felt the need to drive and talk and to pray. 
I want to tell you that when you're in your worst place, God drives and he shows up and he wants to pray with you and counsel you and hold you and help you and heal you. Come on, clap today if you're grateful. He is the God that comes close to the brokenhearted. I, I can't remember the last time L.A. was like this. The only time I can liken it to is when I was in Bible college and I lived here in Los Angeles. And I'll never forget waking up to 9-11. And when September 11th happened, I was a senior in Bible college and we drove to the Bible college. I was living off campus at the time because they called the whole school to an assembly. And we came into the chapel at my Bible college and we came together and the whole school is crying. And as we're crying, one of our professors, Dr. Larry Powers, gets up and he opens his Bible and with fire in his eyes, he reads Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in our time of trouble. And I'll never forget that day because it reminded me tragedy can take place. Hardship can come. Death is inevitable, but God comes close. He is a refuge. He is a strength, and he is present in our pain. Come on, if you're grateful for God showing up, come on, just give him a bit of praise today. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't avoid us. He's close. I believe God was closer to Los Angeles this last week than maybe he has been since 9-11. Because people are turning to God. People are weeping and mourning, and we serve the God that says, I do my best work when you're in your worst place. So I'm comforted to first know that in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of ashes, in the midst of pain, there's God. You know, you could be in a place that's bigger than an iconic figure dying, and you're in a hardship, and you're in a brokenhearted season, and maybe it has to do with relationship or maybe it has to do with decisions you've made in your own life. Let me just put you at ease. God is not abandoning you. God hasn't turned his back on you. Quite the opposite. He is next to you. Write down number two. Here's the second thing that I thought about. Is that there is life in death. There is life. In fact, this is resurrection power here. We we recognize as believers in Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, we believe that Jesus died for our sins, but he, out of his death, there became life. I thought it was kind of amazing that Kobe Bryant himself, you know, this last week has been filled with so many posts about Kobe and videos about Kobe, and, and I, I was all good. I cried every day this last week, little, little tears, little tear up, but I, I, I lost it on Friday night, and, and when the cello was playing and the video was going, and watching that, I, I had my boys in our living room, they were watching Star, Star Wars, you know I'm a good dad. But I took my little Clivey to the back bedroom and I watched that video tribute and, and I was just, I, I finally let it all out. You know, when you know you got an ugly cry in you, you just, it hadn't come out yet. The ugly cry finally came out. The waterworks happened. And I'm hugging Clive. He's probably looking at me like, you good? <laughs> I'm not good. <laughs> like, I'm just crying. And, and, and I'm watching the video and this last week has been so many videos and clips and statements and and the mind of Kobe and the brilliance of who he was. And one of my favorite video clips was him making a statement about death. Kobe said this, put it up on the screen. He said, you can't have life without death. You can't have light without the dark. So it's an acceptance of that. Even Kobe had accepted the reality that there is life in death. That without 
darkness there can be no light. And there has to be some way that we believe in a God that can bring so much life in the tragedy of death. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. This is why Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave that you and I could have everlasting life. Now I want to tell you there is so much tragedy and so many tears and we will miss an iconic figure. But I want to tell you it was amazing to me to, to learn that Kobe Bryant had been in church that Sunday morning. He had gone to his church. He had taken communion. So we know that Kobe was a believer and he is right now in a better place. I'm telling you this world can't offer. Come on. It, it's championship rings, status, notoriety, and money. It pales in comparison to the promise of our God. Anybody grateful that heaven is a great greater reality than the reality of this earth. I can guarantee you with all the tears, Kobe's not going, man, I wish I could go back. No, I bet you he's saying, oh, I can't wait to be reunited with my family. I can't wait to be here in eternity. I can't wait to just be here in the presence of God. In heaven, there is no more sorrow. There is no more sickness. There is no poverty. There is no racism. There is no depression. There is no suicide. There is no addiction. Come on, anybody excited? This world is not our home. We're not citizens of this earth. We are going to a better reality give them a praise valley give them a praise bancroft we're going to a better place and there is no life without death that out of death our god redeems and brings life i want to pray pay tribute not just to kobe but to all the names that passed away everybody that was involved in the helicopter crash and i don't know where they all were in their faith but we know at least for kobe and mamba Sita, they were in church they were believers in jesus and we have faith that today they are sitting in eternity in the presence of the living god there is life and death there is life and death. I love this about God. There is life and death. Put this verse on the screen. I love this about our God. Put this verse on the screen. Let me read it from my iPad. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want to tell you, listen, the tragedy of death is that weeping comes, but when you realize life comes, there's joy that comes in the morning. Only our God can do this. Those that sow in tears with God shall reap songs of joy. In our God, those who mourn shall be comforted. We serve the only God. No God can do this. Our God turns our mourning into dancing. I like what LeBron said when he grabbed the mic and he went off script. And he called it a celebration on Friday night. Because we celebrate not the death. We celebrate the life. Always celebrate. If you lose a loved one. If you lose someone that was close to you, you lose an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a co-worker, you lose somebody. Don't just mourn over the death alone. Celebrate the life that is found in God and found in the person that lived a great life. These are the promises of God. This is the only, more, the only hope that we can have in mourning is that God will turn our mourning into dancing. He will take our tears and he will bring them songs of joy. This is the only God that can do this kind of stuff. I love this about God. Write down number three. Don't hold back what you need to say or do. One of the things that I kept thinking about this last week is don't, you never know. Don't hold back 
what you need to say or do. In fact, write this down. It's always the right time to do the right thing. It is always the right time to do the right thing. Don't hold back what you need to say or do. If you need to forgive somebody, forgive them today. If you need to, to, to talk, tell on yourself about doing something, tell on yourself today. If you need to go start that business, start it today. I always remember Rocky, uh, I think it was Rocky 3 or 4, it was the one with Apollo Creed. And, and, and Rocky, there's this scene where he's in, in the bathroom and he's had this, this, this nightmare, he's had this dream. And little Mick, before he passed away, you know, the trainer, he's in his ear and he's in Rocky's ear because Rocky hasn't been training and he hasn't been living the life that he's supposed to. He's lollygagging. He's going through the motions. He's, he's reading his own press clippings. He's, there's no urgency in his life. And Mick gets in Rocky's ear and there's this famous line where Mick says to Rocky, there is no tomorrow. Rock's like, I'll do it tomorrow. Mick's like, homie, there is no tomorrow. And I felt like this last week was smelling salt for a lot of people. It was reset for a lot of people. It was a wake-up moment for a lot of people. There is no tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Today, step up and be the dad. Today, step up and be the husband. Today, make things right with your family. Today, confess your sins. Today, start living for God. Come on, Zoe. Now is the time. Now is the moment. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Come on, give them some praise today. Oh, I love what the Bible says. I love what the Bible says. Matthew 6, 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Don't worry about tomorrow. I don't know if tomorrow will bring. I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. Give your attention to right now. You ever be with somebody and they keep looking down at their phone texting and they're not paying attention to you? <laughs> Finally, I just, I just, I'll try and talk and they're on the phone. It's like, I'll wait till you're done. I wonder if you need to get off your phone and pay attention to what God's doing right now. Because if there's anything that last Sunday teaches me, it's about the here and the now. I'm in the now moment. What's God doing right now? Not what he did last year. Not what does he want to do in the future. What is he doing in my family right now? What is he doing in Zoe Church right now? What is he doing in Los Angeles right now? Because God's got a season for everything in your life. God has appointed every season that you are in in your life. Oh, I thought Julia did such a brilliant, amazing job last Sunday. Come on, honor Pastor Julia and the amazing message she preached last Sunday. She closed out Jonah chapter 4 last week, and she concluded, I, have, I love this thought she had. She was talking about how God appoints everything in your life. God appointed a storm for Jonah. God appointed a whale for Jonah. And in Jonah 4, God appointed a plant for Jonah, and then he appointed a worm for Jonah. I want to tell you, God has appointed everything in your life. There's divine appointments, divine relationships, divine seasons, divine things. You're not in control. God is in control. And you got to understand, pay attention to the season and the thing that God has appointed. I feel faith rising. Come on, pay attention to what God wants to do right now. 
Oh, if you don't believe me, look at Ecclesiastes 3. It says there's an opportune time to do things. A right time for everything on the earth. There is a right time for birth and another time for death. A right time to plant and another time to reap. A right time to kill and another time to heal. A right time to destroy and another time to construct. A right time to cry, another time to laugh. A right time to lament, another time to cheer. A right time to love, another time to abstain. A right time to embrace, another time to part. And it keeps going. And keeps going and it keeps going because it is the right time to do the right thing that God has assigned to your life right now. Most of us, our biggest problem is not calling, it's not gifting, it's not the ability, it is the, it is the problem with procrastination. One of my favorite moments of this last week was the TNT coverage with Shaq and Kenny and Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson and listening to Shaquille, who is also a beloved, heralded figure in our city, had won three championships in a row with Kobe Bryant. His jersey hangs next to Kobe in Staples Center, and you could hear the pain and remorse in his voice, and you could hear the regret, and you could hear the reset in his soul of saying, I'm not going to hold back stuff. I have regret, I should have, I wish I would have. I wonder if there's something that if you don't make it to tomorrow, will you have regrets in your life? I should have made amends. I should have picked up my phone. I should have paid so-and-so that compliment. Live a life of no regrets. Do the right thing in the right time. Some of us are waiting, you know, for the right time. Ecclesiastes says only a fool waits for perfect conditions. The perfect conditions is right now. It's a perfect time for you to step up. This is such a brilliant season for you to become who you're called to be. This is the greatest time for you to receive grace. There's no better time than right now than you to step up and do what God's called you to do. So I think that this last week has taught me many things, but one of the many things that it's taught me is that it's always the right time to do the right thing. Write down the next thought. I love this, is that grace gives people room to grow. Grace, love this about the grace of God, grace gives room for people to grow. Why are we crying? Why are there so many people at Staples Center? Why has this been the coverage? Why has it impacted us in such an amazing way? I think one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why, is because we found Kobe at 17. We watched as a city, we watched this heralded figure grow up. We had a front row seat to watching somebody become a man. We watched him get, become a husband, become a father. We watched him through the ambition of career. We watched him make amends with people that had fallout. We watched him work through things and, and personal failure. We had a front row seat, and it wasn't. Somebody said, in the last three years, they've never seen Kobe Bryant happier. And you and I got to have the front row seat to watch somebody grow and develop. And if there's anything I learned out of the death of Kobe Bryant is to realize I've got to get ro give room for people in my life to grow and evolve and change and to become who they're supposed to become. Most of us, our biggest problem is that we're still holding people hostage to who they used to be. 
You are the mistake you made in your 20s. You are the person you were when you were 19. You said that quote when you were 30. No, what I love about the grace of God, God's got room for you to grow. God's got room for you to evolve. God's got There's no cap. There's no like, this is as big as it's going to get. Come on, somebody thank God right now that grace has room for you to grow. I want to just ask you, if Zoe is your home church, if you're going to be a part of our church, don't hold people hostage to their past. We do not see people where they've been. We don't see people where they're at. We see people where they're going, what they're called to be. We see the gold. We see the promise. We see the potential. We see the calling. We see the future. We see the God thing. We, everybody else sees garbage. We see gold. Everybody else sees ruins. We see glorious. We see the God thing. We see the grace thing. We see what God can do. And the reality, the reality is that Kobe is a lot like you and I. When I was 17, oh, dear Jesus, I'm glad you didn't know that version. And I'm glad you didn't know the 24-year-old virgin. Vir virgin? <laughs> that is true. It was. It is true. I was a 28-year-old virgin. You know what I'm saying? That's why I can preach it with power. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, it got hot in here. <laughs> and my, my, my only request, my only request of Zoe community and those that are in our connect groups and serving on ZST and this is your home church, will you just allow people to change like five times in the next two years? You know, you could just get with somebody, you're like, yeah, you're not the same. You ever say that to somebody and they're like, well, well, what do you mean? I mean it as a compliment. You're kinder. You seem like you're at ease. Why do people, I mean, think about this. Guys, Kobe was hated. Like hated. Not by us. He's winning rings for us. <laughs> hated. But in the last three years, at ease. Investing in the young people. Investing in the schools. Not the same person in the middle of his career. You know, year 10, 11. But reinvented himself. I could argue as great and illustrious as his career was in the NBA, perhaps he was greater post than he was ever present. And I wonder about your life. Do you have the ability to grow? Change? The mentality is not just a mamba mentality. It's a Jesus mentality. That Jesus, you have the power to change me. Change my perspective. Change my paradigm. Change the way that I see people. Change me, God. And grace is this thing that gives you room to grow. You're like, oh, this is like a good thought. It's like the Bible say that. Let's go to the Word. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This glorious growth and change comes from God. 
It's not tapping into self. It's tapping into faith. It's not tapping into who we think we can become. It's beholding the glory of Jesus and saying, thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for second chances. Come on, Valley. Clap right now. Come on, Bancroft. Get some faith right now. Grace has room to grow. Write down the next one. I love this one. I learned out this last week. None of us are promised tomorrow to live a life of no regrets. None of us are promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. So you got to live a life of no regrets. Worship team, come and join me. I love this. It says James chapter 4, but you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. And if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. But did you notice the beginning? You don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. None of us are promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. All that we have is the gift of today. And so my admonition and my request out of this last week and everything that has transpired in our city is that it would be a time of reflection, self-evaluation. It would be a time to consider the way that we live. It would be a time to say, am I prepared to meet my maker? I just have to guess that even as Kobe went to church that morning and went to communion and sat in the back, you know, because I have someone that is close to this church, his, her mother goes to this church, said he sat in the back, didn't, didn't want any attention. Even though he was in church, I don't think he was in church because he knew he would meet his maker that day. I think he knew he was in church because he wanted to be in the presence of God. None of us are promised tomorrow. Life is here today and gone tomorrow. Just like that. How tragic would it be to get on the other side and be filled with regret? No! I had so much more. I needed to make amends here. I needed to do this. I should have. Uh, no, I got to go back. No, there's no going back. There's one life, one shot, one chance. And I pray that there becomes an urgency in our church that we don't live apathetic, but we live activated. That we live in a sense of urgency. That it's now. It's a now time. Now is the time. There is no tomorrow. This is the perfect time. This 2020 is the perfect year. I know we were through January. And I know that, you know, everybody stopped going to the gym. January was great, you know. But, you know, we stopped. I know you lost a lot of weight in January. Here comes the Super Bowl. But come on, man. What will it take? For you to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm sick of it. I'm not going to live the life of an addict. I'm not going to live a bitter life. I'm not going to hold grudges and have tons of enemies. I'm going to live pure. I'm going to live joyful. I'm going to live excited. I'm going to live the life God wants me to live. I'm going to pay attention to what he's doing right here and now. I've only got one life. I've only got one life. 
I've only got one life. I'm going to invest in my kids. I'm going to, it's amazing. This, this is, I thought this was so cool. I have this friend in Australia. And, and, and they gave his kids an assignment. And in the, in the class, they said to the kids, I want you to draw a photo. I want you to draw a photo of your father's face. And so the kids drew a photo of their dad's face. And they brought it home. And when they showed it to their dad, it was a picture of their dad smiling. And so the dad was really proud. He took it to work and he showed his coworkers. He's like, look at what my kids drew a picture of me and I was smiling. And his coworker said, you know you're doing a good job. That the connotation of your kids, that when they think about you, they think of a face that's smiling. I wonder what your spouse thinks. I wonder what your kids think. I wonder what your friends think. Is it a smiling face? Is it a joyful face? Is it a fulfilled face? Is it a face that I'm at peace? I'm at ease. I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know where I'm going. If I got to live on this earth, it's for Christ. If I get to die, it's for gain because I belong to a greater place. I'm not a citizen of this earth. I'm a citizen of heaven. so I don't care what tomorrow brings. I'm living for the glory of God. I'm living for the fullest thing. Come on, clap, Zoe. Come on, praise him today. It's not mamba mentality. It's kingdom mentality. It's not for our gain. It's for the glory of our God. Come on, you can stand to your feet. Come on, why don't we give God one more big ovation and just celebrate the gift of life.